is the number one commodity in the world that you can't get back once it's gone. Time. So I will keep this brief. I'm Muthita Panmuk, a time efficiency expert and a business operations strategist, who is as known as the Time Queen. Welcome to my Get Unstuck Radio. Running a business can be very overwhelming at times, especially in the first few years when you are required to wear the hats and do other things. You started your company because you had a vision that almost every business owner has when they begin. You wanted freedom, true freedom. So you are in the right place to help you build and grow your business that support your lifestyle. Not the other way around. Without further ado, let's get unstuck. Hi, get unstuck nation. Today episode is about protect your brand. So please welcome get unstuck expert Devin Miller from Miller IP Law. Devin Miller is the founder of Miller IP Law, where they help startup and small businesses understand intellectual property, including patents, trademarks, and copyrights. Devin wanted to provide a source for startup and small businesses where they could learn about legal protection and also how to help small business owner like himself build value into their business and protect their asset. Thank you so much for joining Get Unstuck Radio today, Devin. Hey, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah. So, I I just want to tell you first that I also a lawyer as a background, but mm. I'm not really practice. <laughs> So seems like we have something in common that okay. I also studied like um the, not an MBA but also project management and entrepreneurship, uh level of mm. my, my master degree level afterwards. So I came to go further in business, but I'm still doing my LM currently. So I'm still like in the between the bridge between these two. <laughs> Cannot give up on it. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's fun to have a bit of a, a kindred spirit. You know, certainly the legal legal arena is uh, an interesting one, so it's uh, great to have something in common. Yeah, and can you tell me a little bit more, like how do you start your entrepreneurial journey? Then. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know. It's always hard to pinpoint the exactly when it started. For me, it probably really started. I was. Uh, An undergraduate, as I was kind of coming towards the end of undergraduate, I was uh, studying electrical engineering and um, trying to decide what I wanted to do next. And I kind of had both a desire to do um, kind of my own startups or entrepreneur and be, you know, do my own business, as well as I had a bit of uh, interest in the, the legal or legal sphere and, and where kind of legal meets uh, engineering, which would be um, patent and trademark law. So. Was trying to kind of make a decision between those two, and decided to chase down both. So I did both a law degree as well as an MBA degree. And then while I was um, doing those in, in tandem, um, it started with there was a business competition where people could come submit their ideas, and uh, you could then you know generate them, make them, and then uh, and compete in a business competition. So first year I entered with you know went and entered the competition, found a, a few other people I didn't know at the time. We all entered, uh, generated an idea, and it was uh, you know did okay the first year, and then we kind of came back the second year and. Um, 
we're trying to come up with a new idea, decided to re-enter. And so as we, we were um, coming up that idea, had an idea for a wearable. So kind of a wearable that can monitor your hydration level. And this was in the days before the uh, Apple Watch or the Fitbit or any of those. And so it was kind of a, a precursor to some of those. So came up with the idea, entered in the business competition. Then we were all graduating. So I decided I wanted to continue on. So I bought the different part or people out that were the partners in the business competition and continued on. So that kind of started the entrepreneur side of the journey. And then as I graduated, I went and worked for a few different law firms for some big law firms and some top 100 law firms and always kind of was uh, running my uh, startups and small businesses on the side and kind of doing two jobs at the same time. And then about three years ago or so, I was looking to say, okay, I'd like to do my own thing, both on the law side and the business side. So I started a couple of my own companies, which are Miller IP Law, and then also an engineering firm that kind of work hand in glove. So that was kind of the the start to the last few years as to how I've got to where I'm at today. Uh-huh. And why you chose IP Law then? Um, it was, I, it was it was a good way for me to u- utilize my engineering background. I still enjoyed engineering. I just didn't want to be an engineer. I wanted to work on multiple projects. I wanted to have a bit more diversity in what I did. And so I was looking for a way to incorporate engineering with what I was doing while not being an engineer. And so legal... Uh, gave me the ability to see a lot of cool technology, work on a lot of cool projects while not being, you know, not having or not being stuck on one project for a long period of time, like a normal engineer would. So kind of pushed me towards uh, intellectual property. Mm -hmm. So in your own definition, how important intellectual property is to anyone basically? Sure. And I'm sure it's a, a bit of a biased answer in the sense you ask an attorney if it's important, they're going to tell you, of course, it's important. Um, but really, there's, you know, when you you look at intellectual property at, um, you know, patents or trademarks or whatnot, you're looking at what, the, what, why you would need them or what the, would be the purpose of them. And a couple of things are one is that, you know, whether you're a startup, a small business or a large business, a, you know, a lot of, especially if you're in technology, if you're developing a new product, you have a lot of R&D or, you know, research and development that goes in that product. And while it takes a lot of time, once you create it, it's easy for someone else to say, oh, I like that idea. And then they copy it. And so one of the things with intellectual property is trying to protect all of that time and effort and, and development and costs and associated with uh, developing a product such that you can keep maintain your competitive advantage. And then it also, in addition to kind of protecting the business, it also becomes, becomes an asset that you can invest in, right? So you can think of, hey, you know, not only is it just protecting my business, but that way, if I need to do angel investors or venture capital, otherwise get investors in my business, or someday I want to sell it, or be, you know, merge with another company. It's an asset of the company that has a value to it that then you can actually have an evaluation that tags to why is your company valuable. So it kind of gives you a, a few different reasons as to both protecting your business as you grow, as well as creating assets within the business. And because of that, when would be the good time for business owner um, to register these marks? Yeah. So, I mean, if it's a, a patent, you're going to want to do it. And I'll, and I'll kind of answer the question primarily with patents and trademarks. So patent is the one that's for inventions. If you create something, it has something, a functionality, utility to it. That's what a patent is going to go for. And when you're saying, when do you want to get started? Well, really, there's kind of two things. One is you have 
at least in the U.S., I'm an, or answering on U.S. law, and it can vary a bit depending on state by state uh, or country by country, is, you know, once you put anything out in the public, so you offer it for sale, you put it on a website, you do a seminar or anything else, you have a year within which from that date you put it in the public that you can you can file on a patent. Meaning if you wait for longer than a year, you're not able to file a patent on it and you're going to just donate it to the public basically. Um, so that's kind of the longest you want to wait is that one year time frame. And then the other thing you always want to consider on a patent is the U.S., along with most of the other countries in the world, are first to file system, meaning the first person to file on a um, invention is presumed to be the owner inventor of it. And so if you wait too long, and let's say it's a very competitive atmosphere, a lot of people are working on it, inventing a lot of cool things, then if you wait longer and somebody else files on it first, then you're stopped from doing that. So usually you want to at the early, you know, as you develop the product, did you get it far enough along that you can explain it to somebody else? Then you're going to at least want to approach an attorney to chat with them about what, you know, what the next steps are, but I'll, or certainly don't wait longer than that year that you put it out in the public. Oh. On brands and, and, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm thinking along with you. Sorry. <laughs> so on uh, trademarks or with brands, that one's going to be a bit different in the sense that, you know, there isn't a specific time you have to file or it goes a bit or, you know, you can't file on it. But rather what you're looking at is as you're building a brand, as you're building a bit of people recognize what you're doing, you've got a good name, you're going to want to start to protect that, right? So if you're and, you know, if you're building a brand, and you're saying, hey, we're starting to get some traction, people are starting to recognize our name, you're going to want to make sure to protect that. If you're just in the idea stage, or you're just doing it, then it can be a little bit less important. So it kind of depends on as you're building the brand, how, how important is that to your company? And you know, how, how unique is it? And when do you want to get started on it? And then you'll usually do it. Usually, once you get the business going, and you, you get it out there, you're going to want to start thinking about, okay, our plan is to grow the brand and protect it, then we're going to you're going to want to file a trademark on it. What about copyright? Yeah, so a copyright is copyrights are a bit different in the sense that once you and, and this is a maybe a is a definition copyrights are kind of for creative work. So if you think of photos, pictures, videos, books, blogs, and podcasts, all of those fall under copyrights. And so as you're saying, hey, was I'm creating my copyright. Once you create your copyright, you technically own it. So if you if once you write the book, you have ownership of that book and you have the ownership of the copyright of the book. Typically, when you register copyright is, is, is you're going to want to do two things. One is you register it so that you can say, hey, I, I can show by as of the date that I filed it by this date, I created or created whatever that material is. So, you know, what you don't want to do is, yeah, I took the photo. I took it five years ago. Somebody else copies a photo. I can't show when I created it or when I actually originally took the photo. And so now you're getting into a question of who created it first. So if you have a valuable photo or a book or something, once you create it and you're and you want to monetize it, you want to use it, then you're going to want to or file a copyright so that you can define the date that you actually created the the uh, creative work yeah again everyone whoever listens to this is maybe different in the country law as well domestic wise so for example in thailand um you have need to register copyright so it's already mm. automatically covered if you really the one who produced that kind of um invented thing so yeah mm -hmm. it's always headache to compare between this conflict of law between each country but I also thinking and also planning to do trademark in the US as well. Actually, have been doing some research in the past few months. I think I told mm. you about that. 
but yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah, there's a lot. It's interesting how each countries have a bit of their own set of rules and approach it a bit differently. And then also the the various things that you have to consider. I mean, there's always, you know, a strategy that goes into your business, not just on the legal side, but on the business side of what makes sense from the business side. How can you grow the business? Where's the money? Where do you invest the money? Where's the best return on it and what makes sense? And so, you know, as you're growing your business, as with everything else that you're strategizing on and trying to figure out where, to, you know, how to grow the business, how to make it successful, intellectual property always overlaps in whichever country or wherever you're located. Yeah, I agree 100%. So, Normally, how it would be different between working with a um, startup or small business owner versus a Fortune 100 company, like how on the other yeah. side, how it's different to operate working with them. Yeah, so I mean, the the biggest differences, and so I worked with some of the bigger companies. I worked with Amazon.com and Red Hat, Intel, Ford, and others, and you know. The, the fun and exciting thing is, is they're a big business, you know, they put out a product, you get to see, hey, I helped work on that. On the other hand, you're a fairly small cog in a big wheel, meaning you only do a very small piece of whatever you're working on. And so you don't have as much of an impact. You know, they're not coming to you for guidance. They're not coming to you for advice or strategy or anything else. They already have that fairly well in place. And they're saying, we just need this small, co you know, small por por portion of the puzzle done. And that's what you work on. On the opposite side, when you work with a startup or a small business, you get to um, participate in the strategy. You get to sit down, see what they're doing, how you can help, what would make sense for them, strategize with them, and work to see how you could actually make that, you know, make a difference with their company. And you know, usually with their patent, they're patenting their main product. They have, you know, they only have a limited budget. They wanting to make sure they have that protected, and so you just get to have a lot more of a hands-on work with them, strategize with them, understand, and have a bigger impact on them. So that's why I typically like to work with the startups and the small businesses because you get to see your impact you get to strategize and work a lot more with them normally when your clients come to you usually what would be the most popular question that they ask you? sorry so, or what would they ask me say it again the most popular question that they ask you when clients come to you what would you get well the first question is always how much is this going to cost and i mean <laughs> i mean that one's going to and that's, you know, and I don't blame them in the sense that, you know, if you're a startup or a small business, you, you know, you have more money and more things to spend money on than money to spend. And so it's usually you're always trying to figure out where can I spend the money? How does this fit in the budget? But if you're to get beyond, you know, how much is this going to cost and I get why, then they're going to ask a lot of the same questions you asked of, you know, when do I need to start thinking about this? When should I get started? You know, is, is what I'm doing even patentable or trademarkable or copyrightable? You know, is there a value to it? When, you know, what is the return on it? Should, you know, does this make sense for me to do right now or should I wait? And it's kind of those questions of when should I get started? How should I get started? Or typically the questions that they're going to ask yeah and normally how you respond to them then like do you have any um, podcast to follow or any source that you give to them yeah i mean everyone every every client's a bit different in the sense that it so yes there are some you know answers you know some of the ones we went over this is when you think about starting a trademark or starting a copyright or those type of things and then a lot of times when we do talk about budgets we try and
few different options. So one, you know, if I were to recommend, if budget allows, an attorney is always the best option. It give, provides you, you know, the most return, the best protection. They know what they're doing and have the experience. But we also get that there is, you know, competing interests. You may, budgets may not always allow for you to go to an attorney and be able to do that. And so we also or do a, or DIY courses or DIY products that allow people to say, hey, you know, while we still recommend an attorney, Having something in place and, and be able to at least have some protection as you grow your business is certainly better than nothing. And so that's another. So we kind of depending on, hey, what's your budget? How can we work with you? What do you have working on? What are you doing? Let's talk about your strategy. And so that those are kind of the considerations that as we work with startups and small businesses, how you start to navigate and how you start to work with them. Yeah. I think I went to the classes of the trademark. I just talked to you from my experience though. It's kind of confusing, sure. to be very honest. Like, it's very mm -hmm. detailed, and somehow it's overlapping in between. And, yeah, even me reading that, I'm like, have to second guess what I'm having in hand, and then going back to compare that with, like, which one actually I really wanted. So how how can a person choose how many classes they should register? I just asked a trademark right now. Yeah, I mean, that one's pretty business specific. I mean, if you have a small niche business, let's say you're only in the food delivery business, I'm making it up, but you're in the food delivery business and that's all that your business is, then you're probably going to be in one class where it gets more difficult. And to give you a level set, classes are kind of different categories of what you're trademarking for. So when you file a trademark, you're going to have to look at how you're going to use your trademark because what they do is they don't say you can't get a trademark for every use of the word for any type of thing ever out there, but they say you tie what your trademark is or what your mark is with the types of goods or services you're going to work with. So if you're to think of Nike, they have a trademark for athletic wear, gear, sports gear, and those type of things. They don't have a trademark for Nike Automotive and because they don't do automobiles, they don't sell cars on that. And so they, they file their trademark and they get protection for the types of goods or services they're going to use Nike for. Well, the same thing when you're doing yours, if you're only doing food delivery, it's probably one category. You're really just doing one thing. But let's say you have a restaurant, you have food delivery, you also have an online business where you sell recipes, you have a blog. Well, those are all different categories. You're doing a few different goods and services. And so you're having to choose the different classes or categories based on what you're doing. So really, it kind of depends on how broad your business is, how many different things you're doing as to which categories you're going to want to fit into. And then you're going to say, okay, now we now you know the other question always comes up is ones if I can't afford all the categories right I really have ten different classes or categories of what I'm doing and I can't cover them all that gets too expensive then you're going to look at which ones are the most important to your business maybe uh, yes maybe you do have a blog but it really doesn't make you any money and it's just for fun or to you know to you know share some information then you're saying maybe that's not where I do the the trademark, but let's say on the other hand, your restaurant is where you make 90% of your money. You're certainly going to want to protect the restaurant and have a trademark on that. So if you know, if you can cover them all, that's great. And that's what's recommended. If not, then you're going to look and say, where's the core of my business and where does uh, the bulk of the money come from? And let's make sure that uh, that's protected. Yeah, that's really clear. Thank you for sharing. And how, sure. how many years is cover? Like, do we need to like keep extended it? So Train or I'll, I'll go through patents, trademarks, and copyrights okay. for kind of length that they cover. So patents are twenty years from the time you file the patent application. So you, assuming that they or they examine it and deem it as patentable, then it's going to be twenty years from that date is when you're able to go and um, 
and have that patent. And once it, 20 years is up, then your data, your, your coverage is over and anybody can do what, uh, what is covered in your patent application. On a trademark, trademarks really continue on um, for as long as you're continuing to use them. So if you had trademark for Disney or for Nike or Apple and you do it for 500 years, but you your company's still going for 500 years and there's still ongoing, you're still making products and selling things, you can keep your trademark for as long as your company's around and using the trademark. Vice versa, if you file a trademark, your company is goes out of business in a year, then you, you know, your trademark ends. And so it's really more of a matter of, now there are a few maintenance fees you do have to fee, pay a few fees along the way in order to make or to sh- or continue to have it active with the government those are fairly usually fairly nominal and they're not a huge expense but you do or that's part of maintaining it but as long as you pay the fees and continue to use it you can continue to use a trademark copyrights are going to be at least in the u.s 70 years plus the life of life of the author so if you're to think of the author you know let's say i'm the author i create the right the world's best book i write harry potter or tom clancy or whichever book you like then the however long i live that's i get the copyright plus an additional 70 years and so that allows if your family or other people to continue to for a period of time to have the copyright in order to recoup the cost or you know to make money off of it and then at the end of those years then it becomes material that anybody can use or that they can um, do after. So those are kind of depending on whether it's a patents for 20 years, trademarks can go as long as you want and copyrights or uh, life of the author plus 70 years kind of gives you not, a different idea of uh, what or kind of how long they run. Yeah, I think that's why a person who interested to protect their business in either of these category would like to have a conversation with Anthony first. To, to have a peace yeah. of mind where they want to move things forward, right? So in case anyone wants to work with you or follow up, follow up with you in any type of work, why can they reach out to you then? Yeah, so a couple ways to reach out. The easiest way is if you have questions about patents, trademarks, copyrights, or anything else with business, we offer free strategy sessions where you can sit down, take a few minutes, ask us your questions. You don't have to worry about paying attorney time or if these are good or bad questions, if you're too early or too late or anything of that nature, but you can really just go ahead and and ask us. And so to grab some time, schedule some time with an attorney, myself, or other attorneys at the firm to uh, do a strategy session, just go to strategymeeting.com. So all one word strategymeeting.com. If you want to learn just a little bit more about myself, the firm, kind of what our prices are, what or what services we offer and everything else, you can go to lawwithmiller.com. And that's again, all one word. You can go check us out, find out more information, learn a little bit more about what we do and how we do it and how we approach it. But those are kind of the two best ways. Thank you so much for joining Get Unstuck Radio today, Devin. Hey, it was great to talk to you and uh, fun to share a little bit. Thank you. hope this episode inspire you to get unstuck wherever you are in your journey so that you can have your business that support your lifestyle get a show note at helpyougetunstuck.com today start implementing what you have learned the results of your consistent effort and improvement are worth it because you deserve the freedom to enjoy your life speak to you next time and don't forget to get unstuck 